I don't know if you, I don't know if you have uh, figured it out yet or not, but if you're a part of this tribe called Elam, this family called Elam, you're a part of something very, very special. Who's figured that out by now? Let me hear something, okay? This movement, because who we are as a movement is apostolic. And if you know what the word apostolic means, uh, I want you to look up a video later on. Just Google search a train, uh, a, a, a snow-removing train plow, and watch what that thing does on the train tracks, okay? There's, when it uh, snows really heavily, there's a certain type of train that has a massive wedge on it. And to clear the tracks for other trains to go through, like mountain passes with like 10 feet of snow, there's this amazing like buster of a train that comes through and just plows all the snow away. That's who we are, okay? We do the hard things of ministry and life as Elam so others can come through and grow and see fruit. And so apostolic ministry, is it fun? Well, if you like plowing into 10 feet of snow, it is, okay? But listen, if you're here as a student and you've been here like, what is it, like a month in or something like that, and you're kind of wondering like, okay, God, like I know I came up for this reason. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Listen, you've come into a family that is ready to send you out when you're ready to completely change the world. Nothing about Elam in our history is we do the easy things. Who we are is an Elam movement. Since 1924, we've been apostolically minded and kingdom motivated. Meaning we will do whatever it takes to go to wherever it is to do what God is exactly saying. And we're not full of fear because we go together. We're not full of, oh, what could happen? Listen, we are people that will lay down our lives for Jesus no matter where it is. Here in the States or overseas. And in fact, there's a family named the Bulkies. I don't know if you know them, but they've been missionaries as long as I've been alive, 23 years and uh, plus maybe. And so, but they they literally, they are the epitome of what I'm talking about right now. So maybe 35, 40 years ago, they went to a very, very safe place in Africa. They went to a very large city and they went there for the first time. And when they landed, they were like one of only a couple other missionaries that were there. As they stayed there over time, more and more missionaries started to go to that city. You know what they realized? They were trained at Elam. You know what they thought? They went, you know what? There are too many missionaries here. We got to go where there's no more missionaries. So they went further west, outside in a remote area. Well, wouldn't you know it? They planted down. The work began to thrive. Other missionaries wanted to join them. After a few years, they're looking around. They're going, there's way too many missionaries here. We need to go further. So finally they go to western Tanzania, right on the coast in a town called Kigoma. Everybody say Kigoma. That's where they lived. And no missionary was there. It was pioneer missions. They're there. Wouldn't you know it? After five years, the work is thriving. There's a Bible school. Churches are being planted everywhere. Finally they say, you know what? There's just too many missionaries around here. We have to go further. And then I visited where they went next, a little town called Kaziba, which is a six-hour boat ride along like the deepest and longest river in Tanzania. It separates Tanzania and the Congo. They just took a six-hour boat ride to a random village that have never seen a foreigner. They had no infrastructure. They had no context, no churches, no buildings, nothing. And there they finally said, now no one can get to us. But can I tell you what? Three years ago, I was sitting in God's restaurant called Flaherty's in Honey Eye Falls. I don't know if you've been there, but that's where the Lord shows up. Sister Sylvia knows what I'm talking about. That's where God meets you when you meet with people. Three years ago, I'm sitting with this couple, and guess what my conversation was? <laughs> I was just like, am I like having deja vu? Or like, God, what is happening? I'm sitting across from them three years ago, 
and they start to share their hearts. There's tears in their eyes, and they're saying, Alex, we've built up Kaziba. We have thriving Bible schools. We're building churches left and right. More missionaries, actually national missionaries, Tanzanian missionaries, are coming to serve in the place. And Alex, there's too many missionaries. We have to go where there's no one. And so now they're actually serving in a country in the Middle East, helping refugees as they flee war-torn areas, and they're serving there. And I just saw them a few months ago. We went to Cracker Barrel, God's other restaurant, okay? This is God's country. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just bracing myself for that. They didn't say it, praise God. They're plugged in. There's not a lot of missionaries around. There's a lot of work to do. But can I tell you something, students? That is who we are as Elam. We don't just go somewhere where there's thousands of people that can do all the work. God has something on us that's special. God has something on us where he calls us to go to bring the gospel to the least reached places of the world, to the least reached places of here in the States. And I honestly believe that through this past 18 months of all the chaos, I believe God is raising up and renewing an apostolic call on us as a people again. I believe God is breathing. It's not an accident that you're here in this place. You're like, well, this is my fifth choice and my first four didn't work out. That's not true. We know you didn't apply to five schools, okay? Like, don't try to run that rhetoric here. Like, listen, you're here for a reason. You might not even know it yet, but I'm telling you what tribe and what team you just joined, we're apostolic. We're pioneers. We go to the places that everyone else goes, uh, did you see that news article? We, that's the places we go. The places that people are scared to go to, the type of ministry here in the States that people are a little bit iffy on, those are the very things that we give our lives towards. And this is not something new. I'm telling you, he's renewing it again with Elam as a whole. So I'm going to pray, then we're going to jump into Acts 1-8. And then uh, I'm just telling you right now, we're going to end right at 12 to be released for lunch. But also, we're going to have a little extended prayer time at the front here, okay? This is a new carpet from Dr. Fred. we got to get some fresh tears on this puppy, okay? we got to have some fresh surrender built into this carpet. And so I just want to prepare you just so you know. But let's pray here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do it again in our day. God, here we are. We, we see the world. We see the borders closed. We, we see the, the, the visa issues that are there. We, we see the chaos of not just our own country and the world around us. And God, we realize in this moment that you're preparing us for something amazing. And God, I just ask that as we look into your word, as we remember the call that you have on us as a movement, God, I pray that we would rise up in a fresh way today and just say, simply say, God, I'm in. Holy Spirit, be with us. Lord, you don't need any more emotional responses to the harvest. God, what you need are sons and daughters that are, they know they're called by you. They've seen something. They've been touched by something. You, Holy Spirit, and that changes everything, and we freely go into the areas that are the least reached, the most populated, the most strategic on the planet. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to be in this house. Prepare our hearts and help us to dive in today with everything that we have. And everyone said... Amen. Listen, hey, the kingdom of God only has one gear, and it's forward, okay? The other world, the borders are shut down. We've had missionaries at Elam that still have not, for a year and a half, they're not able to live in the place where they want to serve. But even in the midst of that, God's kingdom continues to move forward. And I believe that God is renewing Acts 1-8 in our day. I believe that the instructions that Jesus gives the disciples after the Great Commission, I believe he is renewing that again. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts 1, verse 8. 
And isn't the Great Commission awesome in Matthew 28? You guys know the Great Commission, right? It's awesome. Here, here's the deal, though. I think the disciples were really excited after the Great Commission. I think when Jesus is like, you know, he's like floating away, and he's like, go into all the world. And they're like, yeah. Okay, time out. We know what all the world means, you know what I'm saying? Because you either have a flat map or a, a, a globe map. You're fine either way here. You're in a safe spot, okay? Like, we have a map, understand? But think about what the disciples hear when he says, go into all the world. What is that, a five-mile radius? Or they look at the mountains, they're like, all right, let's, you go that way, we'll go this way. That's the whole world. They have no understanding of what Jesus is saying. And then he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And the disciples are like, are you serious? All 23 of them? All the nations of the world? Like, we're kind of all here, but still we'll go out and get them. They're like so excited. They're, they're, they're getting this apostolic thing, and Jesus is ascending. And then Acts 1-8 happens. And Jesus, while he gave the great commission, now he gives the great assignment. You see, what the disciples needed was not a generic, exciting commission like we had, but also he wanted to give them something of power, but also instructions to fulfill the assignment. Listen, when I stand up here and I say, you guys are going to change the world, you guys are like, yes! But when we start figuring out what does your world look like, there's a greater cost that happens. And we're going to read through this scripture and break it down because the disciples had to take that inventory. The disciples had to think through what exactly what Jesus is saying. So verse 8, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. power. Now listen, I took Acts and Paul's letters with Sister Sylvia. I know that word power is dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite from. Isn't that exciting? So imagine the disciples hear the Great Commission. They're like, yeah, we're going to go into all the world from that mountain to that mountain. This is amazing. And then Jesus is like, hey, but wait, it's better. I'm going to give you a great power. And you can, like Peter's there going like, oh, man, I know you're holding something back, Jesus. I knew you're walking on the water. You're doing all this stuff. You're going to give us the same power. We're going to have great power for the Great Commission. Now let's continue to read. You're going to receive great power, miracle working power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's like the best news in the world. Now check this out. And you shall be witnesses to me. Now here's the deal. You guys know LeBron James? Who said no? Come on. Where are you at, bro? Here's the deal. LeBron James, when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, there was a massive, uh, uh, oh Lord, help me. Say it again. There's a massive billboard of him on the Cavalier Stadium of him going like this. And if you don't know LeBron James, he had a pregame ritual where he would take chalk and go like this with the chalk. And like there would be this great cloud, you know what I'm saying? And it, it was LeBron James on the side of the Cleveland Cavalier Stadium. You could see it from all miles around. And he's standing like this. And it says at the top, we are all witnesses. And so that word witnesses in our Bible, sometimes we think that's what it means. Like, you're going to give me great power to be a great witness to the world, to be famous, to see my ministry launch in a fresh way, to have all my dreams and desires fulfilled. To become, I'm going to be on the side of EGC someday like this, and then everyone's going to, no, no, that word witnesses doesn't mean that. That word witnesses means martyr. See, what, what Jesus is saying is, I gave you a great commission. Now I'm giving you a great power. Why? Because I need a great sacrifice. And just like the first song that we sang today saying, I don't think I can do in my own strength what you've called me to do. 
That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, friends, if you understand the amount of sacrifice of you laying down your life to fulfill the assignment of God that he has on you, there's no way you can do it in your own power. We're all, we're all mighty here at Bible school and on the holy hill of Lima, Jerusalem. Listen, we can, we can proclaim all we want. God, for the next 20 years, I'm going to X, Y, Z. Listen, you need the Holy Spirit's power, not just to fulfill miracles and see your ministries thrive. You also need the power of the Holy Spirit so you can lay down your life. Now imagine how deflating that was for the disciples. Remember, they're like, the Great Commission, yes, great power, yeah. So you can be a martyr. You can be persecuted. You can lay down your life for my sake. Let's continue to read. It gets worse for the disciples, okay? Remember, he said all the world. We like that generic, regional, that is really fun. And he says this. You will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Somebody say Jerusalem. This is a tremendous awkward turtle for the disciples, okay? This is a moment when Jesus said, you're going to go into all the world. And they're like, oh, man, I can't wait to go. I'm going to get out of this town. This town can't respect me. This town knows me too well. These people aren't hungry for God. I'm going to go where they're really hungry. Jesus says, I want you to start right here in your own backyard. Listen, some of y'all are happy to be in Lima because you're not home. Everybody knows you at home, okay? You're like here. You get to be your whole new you. Like you get to recreate yourself. Listen, sometimes the hardest places to minister are the places you're most familiar with. What does apostolic ministry look like in 2021? It's starting in your own backyard. Listen, missions is easy because when I fly to Jamaica or I fly to the Congo or I fly to China, nobody knows who Alex Seidler is. I'm just dishing out Jesus left and right. And I'm like, I'm never going to see you again. Do you need prayer? I, I, I will risk myself looking like a fool because I know I'll never see them again. But then you put Alex back in his hometown, I get a little bit insecure. I'm like, oh, man, all these people that know me, oh, dear, like your neighbor next door is like you're fighting about like the uh, property line, you know what I'm saying? Like you're mowing their grass, they're mowing yours. It's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of things happening right there. And here's the deal. Sometimes when the, when the assignment of God, when the clarity becomes greater, the walls in your life to do outreach become higher. Ministry is easy when it's generic and over there. But when Jesus says, listen, I'm going to empower you by my Holy Spirit to change the nations, and we're going to start right here, that can be a little bit like, oh, man, talk about a Debbie Downer. It was like, Jesus, I thought I was going to get a plane ticket. I thought I was going to get a visa. I thought I was going to go to the ends of the earth. But you want me to start right here. Oh, dear. But then it gets worse for the disciples. Let's continue to read. Watch this. Then he says, Jerusalem and in all Judea. Somebody say Judea. Judea is like that rival town next door. Judea represents that town where you're the lead pastor and you're raising up an associate pastor who's going to take over the church. And he leaves the church, goes to Judea, and starts a bigger church than yours. And you know what? Because he's so connected in Jerusalem, he feeds all the homeless people in Judea and Jerusalem. So now, like, the emotional triggering is happening for the disciples. Jerusalem, they were just getting to the point of, like, okay, we can deal with this, like, I guess we have to behave ourselves. We have to reach our own backyard. But now you're calling us to the rival next door. Dr. Fred, this is like God calling you to reach the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
or like any NFL franchise to reach the New England Patriots. I'm sorry, Paul. Oh, goodness. It just hurts inside. There's an emotional resistance with me and Philadelphia Eagles fans. There's something I have to really pray and fast to do ministry in Philadelphia. But there's something that rises up in them when Jesus says, I want you to start here in your own backyard, but then I want you to go next door and reach your neighbors. What is this? This is the Great Commission, what it looks like and what it is fulfilled. And I'm telling you, friends, Jesus is renewing this again in our day. And then he goes on and he says this, and Samaria. Now, Samaria represents, if you know your Bibles well, we have a few stories about the good Samaritan and the woman at the well, who is a Samaritan woman, where when Jesus says this, the, the emotional resistance goes through the roof. Because Samaria doesn't, doesn't represent a place, yes. But really, when Jesus says this to the disciples, he's really talking about a people. And a people that the Jewish people have been trained to despise and look down upon. Think about the, the Good Samaritan. That story isn't scandalous because the lead pastor goes to the other side and avoids the guy. The worship leader comes down, sees the dude, and avoids him. The missions director comes down, and it's too busy, so he goes to the other side and avoids him. It's not because the professional ministers didn't help. It's that Jesus makes the hero of the story a Samaritan man, the man that no one wants to deal with, no one wants to talk to, everyone despises. He's the one that runs and helps this man and gets all of his wounds, gets Band-Aids on him, helps him, feeds him, finds him a place. The woman at the well, there's multiple reasons why the woman at the well is scandalous, but the number one reason is that she was a Samaritan woman. And the disciples are sitting, looking at Jesus, watching this scene happen in John 4, and they're going, Jesus, what are you doing dealing with that type of person? Now listen, I don't personally know any Samaritans today. I wish it, maybe I do. Mark Pastorelli, he's with the Eagle's Wings. There's gotta be Samaritans out there. I don't know any personally, but I'm telling you, right in our own backyard here in the States, there are those Samaritan people. They're people that don't look like us. They're people that don't identify as us. They're people that we look at and we want to take three steps away because we think something from them is going to jump on us. They're outcasts of society. So Jesus is saying, listen, the Great Commission is all fun and games in a generic level, but I'm telling you to reach your own backyard, the town next door, now check this out, and the people that you look down upon the most. I can see the disciples at this moment be like, Jesus, I thought this was going to be fun. Like, what's going on? Do you understand why now Jesus said, I have a great power. You shall receive great power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? So you can have a great sacrifice of laying down your life. Why? To reach the world around you, to reach the world next door, to reach those around you that are, that, that, are, that are the least reached, the most despised, the people that, are, that God is pushing them away in this moment. And then finally he gets to something that the disciples, I think, are happy about. He says, and to the ends of the earth. They're like, oh, phew, there we go. Okay, something a little bit more generic. But listen, what does the ends of the earth look like today? And friends, I truly believe that God is calling us as an Elam movement today, in this day and age, to do two things. One, I think God is calling us to reach the unreached all around the world. And I believe God is calling us to reach the unchurched all around us in the States as well. 
You see, because I believe that God is raising up a generation, your generation, right now. I just heard a story. I was in uh, Plattsburgh, New York last night, speaking at a basic group, and a a young lady next to me is crying and weeping because so many freshmen are coming into colleges, and they're filled with anxiety to the brim, and they're leaving two weeks later. It's happening all around our country. There's, an, there's like a, an epidemic right now of, of young people your same age coming into this place of college, and they're so full of fear. They're, they're not ready. Their whole senior year of, of high school, like many of you, was just full of all sorts of question marks and problems, and they're coming in this place where they need to be reached for Jesus. A lot of these young people have never stepped inside of a church. A lot of these young people, they know the celebrity pastors that have fallen and have been disgraced, and they look at it and go, ha, huh, see? I told you, man, those Aussies, they're crazy. I I knew something was wrong. They look at the different people that have fallen in different ways, and they look at that, and they say, ah, that confirms everything I thought of the church. Can I tell you something? They're waiting for someone just like you to walk through that door. The unchurched right here in the States, there's people that have no context for what we just did for 20 minutes of worship and adoration and the presence of God coming and changing our lives. They've never tasted or experienced that ever. They've never been to a summer camp. They've never been to a church meeting. They've never had someone sit down with them and explain the true gospel, how God loves them, how Jesus died for them, how there's a plan for their life, how he wants to heal them. They've never had that moment. And friends, I'm not talking about like somewhere in like the Middle East in some tribe. I'm talking about our own backyard. I'm I'm talking like a stone's throw away. I'm talking about university students all over the states right now that are in this lost space where they're, they're, they're doing things for the first time they never thought they would do, and they have all this fear and anxiety, and they're waiting for someone. They're waiting for something. And I believe God is calling us again in our day to reach the unchurched in our own backyard. I believe God is going to raise up church planners from this place. I believe God is going to raise up students that say, I want to go find the least reached campuses that are out there in America. I want to find the least reached nooks and crannies of the East Coast, and I want to give my life to lay down and serve those areas to see them reach for Christ. I, start, I, start, I, I tried to tell you in the beginning, we're an apostolic pioneering movement. We don't do cute, fun, fuzzy things, Okay. I have a list of names of organizations you can join if that's what you want, okay? If you want cute, fuzzy things, okay? We are a movement that says, God, what are you doing? Where are you breathing? And where does the gospel flow next? Also, I believe in this hour, God is telling us to reach the unchurched in a fresh way. You see, when, uh, when, uh, when IQ Spencer got that vision in the field in 1924, he didn't see written in the sky, ministerial credentials, he saw revival and that's what we bring to the nations and that's what we're believing that you're going to get a touch from God here at EBI and we're actually next May or early June we're actually launching a base in Bangkok, Thailand four families are coming together to sit there and live there and get immersed in the culture and language and what we want to do is to start to send over teams to get trained in the nations, get training here at EBI a foundation, then get trained in the nations and then do what? Then don't just sit in Bangkok for the rest of your life get trained in Thailand and then do what? Take the gospel where the gospel has not been. I believe in this hour, in this very room, look at your neighbor. It could be them I don't know, if it's not them it's you this guy's like, I don't have it. It's you. Um, like, I believe God in this hour is calling us as Elam, all together Elam, to pioneer again in a fresh way. 
There are cities and nations waiting for someone just like you. They're lost, they're desperate, they're without hope, they're wondering what's going on, they've been cut off because of all the pandemic. They're waiting for young people that have been touched by God, filled with the fire, but check this out. They've been empowered with a great power for a great sacrifice. People that have counted the cost, laid down their life. Listen, the nations is not a great place to lay down your life. This is a great place to lay down your life. If you think some like magical fairy dust sprinkles in that airplane ride and all of a sudden you're surrendered and yielded on the field, you got another thing coming. There is nothing magical about jet lag. In fact, you, you hear more demons on jet lag than you hear normal, okay? Like there is nothing that happens. This is the place that we say whatever you want, however long you want, whatever you want me to do, I, don't, I, don't, I have this dream and this idea, but God, I, I just lay that thing down. Listen, I studied youth ministry, and I was raised up by Pastor Dick to be a worship leader. I've been a missionary for 15 years. I didn't take a missions class. I didn't take a preaching class. I know I should. It's like I, I can't write the script. I thought I was here for one thing. God breathed on it, but I'll tell you what the secret was. The secret was time after time I came up to this altar. I came up to this very altar, different carpet, a little bit more stained. Came up to this car, they came up to this altar. And Pastor Dick would be playing the piano. I invite you up, Pastor Dick, right now. He'd be playing the piano, and there's not an agenda. There's not some sort of thing where I'm telling you, you have to go to the next. There's not like a specific thing. It's just a moment where you come before God and you say, Lord, I see what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. I don't understand it. I'm trying to figure out life. I'm trying to figure out my future. But God, I come before you in this moment and I yield myself to you. You see, I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this place. I believe that there is going to be a great power that comes upon us today, right now, in this moment as we close. But I believe that great power is to not make you famous. It's to make him famous. And the great power of God that fills your life right before lunch here is going to empower you to lay down your life in a fresh way. Why? Because there are people in tribes and discounted cities and people that are pushed to the side in nations and pockets of America that are waiting for you to come through. Not in the greatness of who you are, but because you have laid down your life to show them the greatness of God. I want to invite you to stand up right now. We're going to do a couple responses. I want to make sure we end right at 12, but then we're, I'm going to invite you to come up. But if you want to respond to this word right now and just say, God, I'm in. I don't know quite what it looks like. I don't know where I'll go or what I'll do, what it is. But if you want to respond to this word saying, God, I see, I clearly see the flow of the apostolic call of God on our lives. I see Acts 1-8 and I want to be a part of it. I just want you to lift both hands right now. My hands are with you right now in this moment. God, we lift up our hands to you as a sign to say, I'm in. God, I'm in. Lord, I'll surrender. Lord, if it's, in, if it's in America for the rest of my life, I'm in. If it's overseas for the rest of my life, I'm in. I don't know what it is, but God, I want to be used in the way that Acts 1-8 describes. God, I want to be used in a way where the world around me is radically changed by you, Jesus. I want to be used in a way that the cities next to me, the people next to me, God, their lives are changed. Lord, I want to be used in a way where the Samaritans around me in my life. Lord, the gender confused. God, the LGBTQ community. 
people of different faith, people that are just majorly confused about who they are and what they're doing. God, my hands are lifted. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but God, my hands are lifted saying, use my life to reach the outcasts of society. Use my life. The ones that I want to walk on the other side of the road, the ones that I want to try to avoid, God, here I am. I ask for a great power, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon me, the the miracle working power of God to flow through my life so I can lay down my life in a fresh way and reach even those people for you, the ones that I don't even get right now. And God, lastly, to the ends of the earth, God, what does the ends of the earth look like? Man, it's, it's the unchurched and it's the unreached. I'm telling you, we can do it in our day. God, our hands are raised. And Lord, we don't, we don't get it. We don't, we don't know it. We don't know what it looks like. But God, we say, amen. Say it right now. Amen. Say amen. Amen, God.